0: Jordan trying to shake oh, off starts. Oh, oh, what a move by that! It counts! And the fall. sitting here i supposed to be the franchise player and we in here talking about practice All new episode four of the Retro Room here on the Cruise Control Podcast. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find this podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash Podcast. Download, rate, comment, subscribe to us on iTunes. Got my man Alex Kennedy from Hoops Hype on the show today. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Kennedy NBA. He is a writer for Hoops Hype and USA Today Sports, and the host of the Hoops Hype podcast. My man, Alex, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, man. Can't complain um, except for this snow we have having right now in New York. Other than that, I'm good, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I don't want to make you mad or jealous but right. uh, I'm here in Florida and it's about 80 degrees so oh, sorry uh, <laughs> but I, I was I was freezing in Charlotte you know when because I live in Florida whenever I go somewhere else if it's like 30 or 40 degrees that I'm like freezing right. so Charlotte was rough for me but now I'm I'm uh you know back in the warm weather here right um again man welcome to the retro room a new podcast
0: that I started just uh a I would say a, a month ago is pretty much predicated on just bringing some old school NBA retro topics uh, from back in the day, whatever it might be from a, from a team, from a player, from a trade, from anything that happened. I would say at least in the uh, ten years or, or beyond that, um, and just you know following you and your work and having you on the show a couple of times on the cruise on the cruise control podcast. Um, I've always recalled that you were a Orlando Magic fan, so I want to start there. So, obviously, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of old school Orlando Magic. Episode one, we did primarily Chicago Bulls. Episode two, I did primarily Portland Trailblazers. And number three, I did primarily the Dallas Mavericks. So, um tell me when when did you become an Orlando Magic fan and what made you what made you become a fan was it a player was it a game was it just going going to a game what led you and, i mean aside from being being from Florida what led you to become an Orlando Magic fan and, and not a Miami Heat fan
1: yeah, so I grew up in Tampa, um, so I was closer to Orlando than Miami. Um, I lived about an hour and a half from Orlando, and Miami was about five hours away. So mm. um, and, and so I was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan first. I was a huge football fan growing up. Um, I still love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm someone that believes if you're a journalist or a sports writer, you shouldn't be rooting for a team if you're covering the league. So nowadays, I don't have a, a favorite team. If you look at the NBA, I root for specific storylines that I think are interesting or I get to know some of these players and their families. And sometimes I'll pull for a guy and hope he gets a big payday because I want to see him and his family, you know, thrive. Uh, so nowadays I don't have a team and that's why I think, you know, what I look back at these old Orlando magic teams and I am so uh, attached to them because it was really the last time that I was able to be a basketball fan because I didn't have to be objective and, you know, uh, take my fan hat off. Uh, so yeah, basically I was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I loved football. And then I actually remember I was in middle school and, uh, a lot of my friends started really liking basketball and you know we were playing basketball a lot and uh Tracy McGrady was really blowing up he had just gotten to Orlando from Toronto um so I believe it was it was like you know 2000 maybe 1999 uh, there was that final year in Toronto uh he he uh, w- was blowing up and then comes to Orlando and there was just so much excitement in Orlando at the time because you look at that team you know obviously you know Shaq and Penny and them they had been In Orlando, but then they had, you know, the Magic didn't really have much success uh, for for a bit there. They were struggling. Then all of a sudden you get Tracy McGrady to come, Grant Hill comes. There were rumors that they could possibly bring in, you know, Tim Duncan. So there was a lot of excitement surrounding Orlando at the time. Again, it was the closest team to me. They were an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. Um, And... T Mac was the main reason, though. I remember I had T Mac everything. I had T Mac shirts. I had the shoes. Uh, I was I was a huge McGrady fan. Um, you know, there were a lot of Kobe T Mac debates back then, mm-hmm. and uh, I would get. In, I'd, I'd be the guy yelling for T Mac. You know, just being biased and, and arguing <laughs> for him. Um, but the guy was just incredible. He made the game look so easy. Uh, it was it was fun watching him play, and you, every night he could just put on a show. Um, so those teams, I mean. Obviously, they didn't have a ton of success when you look at the playoffs. Everyone always brings that up with T Mac, you know. So I didn't get to see a championship or even a deep postseason run, but. I would say that's when I really fell in love with the game and I was rooting for the Magic. But then I also started rooting for players around the NBA at that time, too. You know, there were a lot. I fell in love with a lot of players back then. You know, that's when I'm like, okay, now I'm a big time NBA fan. Let me uh, watch the, you know, nationally televised game today. So I start watching, you know, other guys as well. And by then, too, you know, Kobe Bryant, Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, uh, Paul Pierce, Tim Duncan, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. There's others that I'm falling in love with as well, and right. watching them play. But T-Mac was really the first guy where I was like, okay, I'm a huge fan. Um, so before your time of being a Magic fan, which is uh, I would say
0: 99 2000, I wasn't a fan of the Magic per se, but I was a fan of, you know, Penny Hardaway, Shaq, and that era, and that was, to me, the heyday of the 90s with. That team, and of course, Jordan, the Bulls, the Knicks, uh, Indiana, Miami. So that era was, was pretty much pretty much stacked, and I, I would think I'll be you know failing myself if I don't bring up that era because that era is a bunch of what ifs, man, with the Magic, uh, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and coming in as an expansion team in the late '80s and becoming this. Really good to great team in the mid '90s. Uh, a lot of conference finals appearances, uh, NBA Finals in 1995. Shaq becoming one of the most dominant players in NBA history. He got to be on the all-time 50, 50 greatest players list with you know just just playing five years. Penny Hardaway became a phenomenon with the way he played, and he reminisced. Um, no, he, he kind of reminded people of how Magic played. Tall, yeah. tall, lengthy, lengthy point guard. Um, his sneakers were phenomenal. phenomenon. The uniforms were a phenomenon. But it was always a what if, where, and I'll start here. And again, I know it's before your time, but I know you've heard stories and kind of caught up on it. But even when, when Shaq got there, he wanted the team to draft Penny Hardaway. Initially, they did not. They they went they went with Chris Weber and right. then Golden State picked up Penny Hardaway. Then we have a trade with for Penny and C Webb. I'm asking you, in hindsight, in retrospect, seeing how the the, the, the the franchise went forward, could you like how would it have been with Shaq and C Webb and like Penny, I think at the time, Tim Hardaway, Mullen, Spreewell, as opposed to what we got with the trade with C Webb going to Golden State and Penny Hardaway
1: going to Orlando. How do you think those teams would have fared up? Interesting. I like that. So, yeah, so I was I was born in 1991. So, I like you said, this is a little bit before my time, but uh-huh. my dad is actually a huge Orlando Magic fan, too. I forgot to say that. So, you know, I've heard plenty of stories, and, you know, he's all, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, the old school Magic. He was a big fan. You know, he was a big reason why I got into the Bucks as well. So our family has a lot of sports ties to the area so i've heard all the what if scenarios and and there may not be a bigger you know what if team than the orlando magic i feel like there's so many times where you look at that franchise and think what if this team had stayed together or what if this player had done this or you know you look at the list of guys that they had uh that they gave up you know chauncey billups ben wallace um you know there are plenty of guys that they had corey mcgetty uh, Mike Miller, guys that never you know, they, they left and and became something somewhere else. Um so it's interesting. I, I think you know, I think they made the right move with Penny. I, I think the injuries, obviously, to Penny Hardaway are are awful, and I wish we could have. That's another what if. You know, what if he had been able to stay healthy his entire career because he was a monster? Um, I actually just did an interview with uh, Muggsy Bogues for HoopSype, and it's uh, it's over there on, on HoopSype right now, and he was talking about playing against Penny and was you know, obviously for a guy like him, five three. Penny's even more <laughs> of a, uh, you know, he's a lot of trouble for a guy like Muggsy, but point guards back then you know you did not want to play penny you had him on you, you knew when he was coming through because uh that's going to be a really tough night for you you're not going to sleep much night before mm. uh a six seven point guard that can do the things he does that is that athletic uh it's it's you know uh just impossible to slow him down when he's healthy it, it's, it's interesting to me like you know if they had chris weber i don't think that team would have been as good i think they made the right decision uh going with penny now, the question is, though, if you go Chris Weber, does that team stay together longer? Because the thing was with Penny, Penny and Shaq, you know, their issues ended up being with Brian Hill, uh, the head coach. And then they obviously had they, they obviously broke up, you know, who knows what the Weber Shaq, Brian Hill dynamic would have been. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I think that team in Golden State would have been a lot of fun if you have Penny out there. Um, you know, that that. I'm not sure how the pieces would have fit together, but it just sounds great on paper to me. Um, but no, I think uh, I think Orlando made the right decision. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say what else would have happened after that. You know, what kind of unintended consequences there would have been if they had stuck with Weber instead of Penny. But I think if you have a guy like Shaq too that wants Penny, and you know how dominant Shaq is, uh, you you want to you know roll with him and, and keep, have his input in mind. Obviously, it didn't end up. End up battering uh, because he did leave uh, Orlando, but I think you want to, you know, you want to listen to your star player if they're adamant about something like that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, them getting Penny Hardaway was the better choice because if let's say you had Shaq and C webb who was the point
1: guard? Scott Skiles. <laughs> I mean, like, what yeah, i yeah. do with to Scott, but it's just Scott, like, yeah, he had. Skyles had some good years, obviously, and, you know, he was a talented guy, but, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about when, when Penny was healthy, he was the guy that was averaging 20, 21 points per game, you know, seven assists per game, almost five rebounds, you know, two and a half steals. I mean, this is a guy that was filling the stat sheet. So, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you have to almost go with the inside-outside attack versus having, you know, those two big men down there. I'm not even sure. You know, having Weber and, and Shaq, I don't know if they may have gotten in each other's way. You know, Weber may not have been able to be- become the dominant player that he did next to Shaq. Uh, it may have been more difficult for him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they made the right decision. Yeah, me too. Because, you know, they already
0: had Tim Hardaway in, in, in Golden State getting another point guard would have kind of like, you know, negated all that. But I think the swap that they did. It, you know it was a it was a better fit for both teams and we seen how we fast forward Shaq is a hall of famer C Webb is you know hopefully a hall of famer one day I don't I know he, he's a finalist as of today Penny Hardaway man you know for me as a fan I <laughs> um cuz you know that's always that's always the, the the dynamic where if somebody asks you Alex is Penny Hardaway a hall of famer and then I think you would get a yeah because you know look at what he did with Shaq and he was this he was that he was flashy, but then on the flip side to be to be fair people would say yeah he, he I think he would have been if the injuries did not occur so you know then uh, there's a third side where I could say well you know if, if Grant Hill can get in and he was hurt for majority of his career um why not Penny Hardaway so if I ask you Alex is Penny Hardaway a Hall of Famer? Should he be a Hall of Famer? What would you say?
1: I don't think so. Um, You know, I I think he had an amazing career. And again, if the injuries didn't happen, I think he definitely is a Hall of Famer. I think he puts up better numbers and who knows what he's able to accomplish. Um, But, you know, I think if you just look at his... If you look at the numbers and you look at, you know, what he achieved over the course of his career, it's hard for me to say that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But again, like you said, whenever you whenever you look at a guy like a Grant Hill, that is that does kind of make you wonder, OK, well, what are the qualifications now? Are we opening it up to more players and guys that did get limited by injuries and Grant Hill is another, you know, Orlando magic? What if that we will get to in a bit? I'm sure. Mm. Um but you know i think you know I, right now i'm actually on basketball reference they have a great thing where uh they put together a hall of fame probability for each player and they take they take in account the player's stats and their achievements any awards they won championships all that and they basically look at what you know hall of fame what players that have been inducted to the hall of fame have achieved and then compare that player to the typical hall of famer and they have they have penny at a 28.7 percent hall of fame probability so they they have him you know obviously out of the hall of Fame. Um, you know, whereas the guys that, you know, when you look at like the active players in the NBA, for example, you know, the 100% hall of fame probability guys are the guys like LeBron and D Wade, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Durant. And then even, you know, they have guys like Paul Gasol at 93%, Tony Parker at 93%, Vince mm-hmm. Carter, 94%, Dwight Howard, 99%. You know, those are the guys. And sometimes, you know, it's also keep in mind, you have to factor in some of their overseas accomplishments too. The fact that they've played, you know, uh, and won medals in the Olympics and they've been great overseas. Cause it's not just the NBA hall of fame, it's basketball. So that's where guys like Parker and Pau Gasol, you know, they have a been, they have, they have a, a little bit of an edge, but no, so they—they they, that's a great tool that I use sometimes. I, I look at basketball references, Hall of Fame probability, and they say Penny is not even close. So, I mean, 28% is very low. So I would agree with them. Um, I think he had a great career, and I wish he didn't have the injuries. I, I always hate to see a guy like that, or I think of a Grant Hill or a Brandon Roy, you know, the guys that yeah. just were so much fun to watch. And the guys seem like great people, too. It's It sucks to see a guy's career limited like that.
0: Yeah, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, B. Roy, um, you know, to a degree, T. Mac. Um, yeah, the back know, spasms, man. You know, C. Webb was hurt. Allen Houston got the injury. Um, Steve Francis. So there were a lot of, a lot of what ifs, man. And, and I think you know when you have a conversation with people who are from that era, you're gonna hear a lot of what ifs. And and the injury bug is definitely one of them. And you know, with Penny. You know, he didn't get hurt until Shaq left. And Shaq left in 96, and he went to L.A. And I, I know I'm kind of skipping over a couple of things, but he, he left in, in in 96 to go to L.A., got the big contract, I think the biggest contract in the NBA at that time. The then Penny, you know, was really more like, all right, this is my team. And, you know, I think he had a good first year without Shaq. And then after that, that's when the injuries started to pile on. And, again, it's a what if, like, man, you know, a different show I'll probably do is like what duos or trios uh, you felt should have been together longer or maybe ha- had ran its course. So Shaq and Penny is definitely one of those uh, duos. And, you know, they went to the finals in 95. They got swept. And that's a big what if. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know about it. If Nick Anderson just makes one free throw, bro, one free throw. Man. You probably, again, do they win the series or? we don't know but at that time you can go up one zip and had the had the momentum and uh but them to, to for them to get swept and them being at that time where it was it was going to be their their league you know Jordan retired he came back in 95 they they um took out Jordan in round 2 and everybody like, man the magic might be the team of the future and and then they get back in 96 they get swept again uh in the conference finals to Chicago and from that point on man it was just a, a, a real uh up and down time for them. Uh how 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 much do you look back? Again, I know it's before your time, but I'm pretty sure you go back on it man. Like what if what if we had won in 95? What if we had won in, in, in 96? What if we what if Shaq had stayed? What if Penny never got hurt? What's the biggest well, that- what if for you as, as far as that time frame goes?
1: Well, I think Shaq staying is the big one, Uh, but it's interesting, you know, so being around this team, so I still live near Orlando. I live, uh, I live about an hour from Orlando and I cover the league out of Orlando. So whenever I'm doing my articles for or I'm working, you know, I'm going to magic games and then staying in a visiting locker room, basically. So I see every team when they come through Orlando. So I'm a national writer, but I'm based out of Orlando. So Nick Anderson is still, you know, a guy that is uh, associated with the Magic. He's a community ambassador and works with the team. So I've gotten to know Nick and I've seen him a ton. And I feel so bad for the guy because that situation, I mean, it definitely haunts him. its, it's And it's one thing if, if it was Shaq that had, you know, had the opportunity to make those free throws or it was Penny Hardaway or someone else, I think maybe it's a little bit different because then you could say, okay, well, there's all these other things that they did that kind of define them and who they were. But because right. Nick didn't, you know, he wasn't the big name and didn't have this superstar career. He had a great career. Don't get me wrong, but people hear Nick Anderson and the first thing they think of is, Oh, miss free throw. All he had to do is make one free throw. You know, it's in, I feel bad for the guy because I feel like it does kind of haunt him a bit. And I know that's it was something that was really rough for him. I want to say he saw like a sports psychologist and, you know, uh, really try hard to get, to get, you know, past that. And it was a hard thing for him to do. So I feel bad for him. And I obviously, you know, had Orlando won a championship, then I think we're having a very different conversation right now. You know, maybe that team does stay together long term. It becomes more attractive as a market, uh, You know, because it becomes it separates. I think you have certain markets you look at where it's like, oh, that's a small market team versus, you know, you look at San Antonio. Let's say, oh, no, that's a small market team with history and a championship and blah, blah, blah. It's a little different. You have a different pedigree. So I think uh, Orlando, it's always been interesting to me that Orlando isn't more attractive to free agents just because I think you have no state income tax. You have great weather here. You have, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot to like. They, now they have a new arena mm-hmm. uh, with the Amway, you know, with Amway. They, they have there's so many things in Orlando that I think if people were open-minded or if players are open-minded, they would look at it. You can, you know, your money goes a long way here. If you live, you know, if you want to go to LA, if you pull a shack and do the, uh, you know, or Orlando to LA or what Dwight Howard did, Orlando to LA, you know, you're losing so much money just because you're, you're giving up, you know, from, from the tax standpoint, from a, you know, living expenses standpoint. So it's interesting. Um, but the big one for me is shack leaving. I think that had a huge impact on, uh, on the city, Fans were kind of devastated, and it took a while for the Magic to kind of bounce back from that because fans, you know, they thought, okay, we have the best player in the NBA or, you know, the most dominant player in the NBA, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, he just bolts. And I think also it kind of led—I think it led—if Shaq doesn't leave, then other players may not have that same— a seed planted in their head. I think some players like Tracy McGrady, when he got disgruntled, oh, okay, I can't have my success in Orlando. I can't be as big as I want to be. I need to go somewhere else. Uh, You have the same thing happen with Dwight Howard later on. Oh, I need to be in a bigger market. I think it kind of set a precedent of sorts where it became, oh, okay, you start your career in Orlando, you build yourself up, and you become a good player, a star, everyone knows you. But then to take that next level in your career, you have to go to a bigger market. So it kind of set that precedent. So Shaq leaving is a big one for me. There are a lot of things that were done that you know people talk about to this day. You know, how the Orlando Sentinel and some, you know, other outlets in the area treated Shaq and the situation. Uh, and look back on that stuff, and, and you know, they, they get very upset because there were a lot of things that were, you know, there are a lot of mistakes made, but, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened otherwise. If, if Shaq stays, who knows, you know, what that team looks like, what the, the city looks like. I mean, it, a, there's, there's always unintended consequences and butterfly effect type stuff. So who knows? But Shaq leaving is probably the biggest one to me.
0: Let me ask you this. In hindsight, when, when the Lakers traded Shaq in 0-4 uh, after the 0-4 finals, um, would you have wanted would you wanted would you rather have the Lakers trade Shaq to go back to Orlando and not the Heat, or do you think Um Him going to Miami was a better I mean, I, I have no idea if Orlando was even trying to get him or made a deal. I have no idea, but would you you know, knowing how he left on, on those terms, there's an opportunity to go back again not, not not on his terms. Um, but would you have preferred LA trading him to Trading him back to Orlando or not Miami? Well, so that would
1: have been 2004, 2005. So that that Magic team, you know, you have uh, a rookie Dwight Howard. That was actually the first year that I covered the Orlando Magic. Uh, So that was my first time. So for people who don't know, Uh, I was 14 years old, I sent a press credential, or a request to the Orlando Magic for a press credential, and they said, yeah, you know, you can come cover a game you have to bring a chaperone, which was embarrassing as hell, (laughs) Uh, I, I I brought my dad to the games with me, and I was able to go cover the Magic for the first time and this is where I was still a fan, I mean, at 14 years old I'm basically a fan with the credential, let's be honest. So right. I'm, in, I'm in the locker room and stuff like that. I'm experiencing the team for the first time. You know, this is when, you know, they have Steve Francis, um, Dwight Howard, they have Jameer Nelson. He's also a rookie that year. And Mobley. Um, Coutinho they have Mobley. a number right. of other guys, you know, Doug Christie's on that team, Katino yeah. uh, Mobley. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it was a, it was an interesting year. They were kind of transitioning uh, from the, the... That was T-Mac's first year out of Orlando. So had the Magic made a trade... You know, if if they could have gotten Shaq, let's say then and, you know, I, I think it's interesting because Tracy, I, I remember when Tracy was leaving, he really wanted the organization to go into win now mode. And there was talk that he wanted the magic to take a Mecca Okafor versus Dwight Howard because he felt like Okafor was a win now player, whereas Dwight was a project because he was coming out of high school. So. Had the Magic been able to make a trade for Shaq and you keep Tracy McGrady, because obviously Tracy wanted to win, he had some issues with the market and there were some other things there too. But I don't think the situation was – I don't think the relationship was that – that bad, You know, I, I don't think things got to the point where it couldn't be repaired. And to this day, he actually he is now affiliated with the Orlando Magic. He's uh, an assistant to the CEO of the team. So he has a role within the Orlando Magic to this day. Uh, and He still lives, you know, has a home in the area. Um, you know, for people who don't know, TMAC is from uh, Auburndale. So he's from the area. So he's always kind of had his ties to Orlando and always will. So I think. The interesting thing would be okay, are you putting together a team now that has Tracy McGrady and Shaq? Uh and then what pieces can you put around them? Obviously the team had struggled really badly the year before. Um you know, are you trading that number 1 overall pick that becomes Dwight Howard uh for a guy like Shaq? Uh that that's kind of the deal you're looking at potentially where you know, you're not going to get Dwight, but you do end up with, you know, T-Mac, you have uh Shaq. So I mean, obviously that as a fan that would have been a lot of fun I would have been really interested um you know I'm not sure what kind of talent they would have had around uh those guys you know because right. the year before that core you know the most productive players on that team were you know T-Mac put the team on his back and then you had Deshaun Stevenson, Jawan Howard, Tyron Liu, uh Goran Giercek. I mean they were they weren't a good team they really weren't um and so that, that was another reason why T-Mac was frustrated but You know, a T-Mac Shaq duo would be so much fun, Uh, and it would have been even more interesting too because we had we had heard the T-Mac Kobe debate so long, (laughs) so now you have Shaq going from Kobe to T-Mac, so now we would have seen what T-Mac could do with a guy like Shaq. so yeah, it would be really cool to see Shaq with T Mac because we already we had seen him with Kobe obviously and had the whole debate with uh, Kobe versus T Mac. So I think yeah, it would, be, it would have been a lot of fun. But like you said, I don't know if the franchise was even looking to make that kind of move at that point. You know, I know they were kind of looking at more of a rebuild and then uh, and they were going to build around Dwight Howard. They had a lot of faith in Dwight Howard. They worked him out during the pre-draft process and fell in love with him. They felt like he was going to be an impact player sooner than later. um, You know, whereas some people thought he may take a few years to develop. So, I mean, it would have been fun, but I I also look at that Miami team and now just as someone that's speaking objectively, you know, it was so much fun seeing that team together and seeing what, you know, Shaq did for a young Dwayne Wade. And, uh, you know, that, that core was a lot of fun too. So it was good for basketball. Probably that Shaq went to Miami. Uh, That team was a lot of fun. And I know, you know, turned a lot of people on to basketball and the NBA. So uh, it, it is what it is. But as a magic fan, At the time, yeah, it would have been crazy to have Shaq come back here. And actually, now Shaq he he talks about regretting leaving Orlando. He's he's weighed in on the Anthony Davis situation, and uh, he said, you know, he should stay in New Orleans. He should just try to get stars to come play with him, take as much money as you can, stay in your own market. Um, So now it's funny, you know, having with hindsight, he now looks and says he shouldn't have left Orlando ever. That he should have stayed there his whole career. Uh, So it's interesting now to see kind of uh, Shaq and. Uh, look back on on his uh, his experiences and say he wishes he had stayed with the Magic.
0: Mm. So being a Magic fan during that time when he got traded to Miami and then he won, he brought Miami a chip in 06 and also D Wade. Uh, did it bother you that he was a champion with Miami and not the Orlando Magic?
1: No, not really. Uh, see, I wasn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't view Miami as a as a rival, to be honest. Um, and I didn't really look at Shaq that that way you know it, it wasn't like but it was just because i was so young i think whenever Shaq left it right. wasn't like oh that's the star that left us again you know i fell in love with the team in 1998 1999 2000 right you know that was when i was about 10 years old nine years old so you know i was more of a T Mac fan i would say more than anything it hurt to see guy you know a guy like Mac go to Houston and have all the success with with Yao Ming when I'm thinking man what would T-Mac and Dwight Howard been able to do together you know what I mean like that was kind of the what if for me uh, and then you know watching him score you know the the 13 points and uh, you know you know, I remember watching him score 13 points in 33 seconds uh, with the Houston Rockets and just wishing he was still in Orlando mm. so I would say that that was the big thing for me watching T-Mac uh, and seeing him elsewhere in a different jersey that was what felt weird to me not necessarily seeing Shaq that way
0: Um, you know, you
1: mentioned Shaq,
0: Kobe, and T-Mac. Um, when T-Mac was drafted by Toronto in 97 with the number nine pick, um, I'm pretty hoping, I'm hoping that some don't know this story. You probably do. But every time I hear Shaq, Kobe, and and T-Mac, there was a rumor that the Lakers wanted to trade for T-Mac on draft night in 97 to put him with Shaq and Kobe. Um, Again, that's a major what if. Like, could that have been the first big three of like the the, the you know the modern era? A, a young Kobe, a very very young T Mac, and still a primarily young uh, Shaq. So the Lakers make that deal on draft night. I, I don't know for who, I, I don't know for who, but just imagine Kobe, T Mac, and Shaq in 1997 on the Lakers.
1: That would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it would be insane. I mean, Tracy took a few years to kind of figure out, you know, how to be a dominant player. Um, you know, it, he came out of high school, obviously, so he needed time to. Uh, to develop but I think the rumor was it would have been Eddie Jones um for, for in, in a deal for Tracy McGrady so and, and apparently Jerry Buss was kind of hesitant he didn't want to give away a sure thing like Eddie Jones for a teenager and mm-hmm. risk it because uh, there was some there was some fear that maybe McGrady wouldn't pan out you know it's always hard when you're when you're drafting a guy straight out of high school you know today's younger fans don't know this because of you know the one and done rule and there's still some risk obviously but you know whenever these guys were drafted out of high school they were putting up monster numbers but you never really knew who they were competing against you know were they doing it against guys that were talented and you know it would translate to the nba or were they doing it against guys that were bums and you know you never really knew so but i think i i mean that team would have been incredible to watch i mm. think it would be really interesting to see how tracy McGrady's career would have uh unfolded and how he'd be viewed today if we're talking about him with you know next to shack and kobe because you know T-Mac, is one of those guys that you look at his career and everyone says, oh, you know, he never got out of the first round of the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, he did later in his career whenever he was with San Antonio and stuff. But yeah. you look at his prime years and everyone made fun of the fact that he didn't he didn't go deep in the playoffs and he couldn't win the playoffs. If he's a guy that has, you know, three, four, five championship rings because he played alongside Shaq and Kobe. Um, and then, you know, he probably would have still went on and had his own team elsewhere at some point. He would have become a big enough star to where he goes and, you know, becomes the number one option somewhere else after that team broke up you're looking at you know you're talking about T-Mac as maybe you know one of the better players uh in his era and, and one of the greatest players of all time maybe you know that so he starts entering that debate if he has a bunch of rings uh because he, he obviously already has the numbers you know his stats are incredible and uh it's interesting i think that would have been a lot of fun but i understand too the lakers hesitancy um you know eddie jones is a guy that was a sure thing he was an all-star um risking it for you know a, a high schooler, an eighteen-year-old, is pretty scary. Uh, but man, that, that team would have been so much fun. So now he's in Toronto
0: for three years, uh, averaging seven, nine, and fifteen. They get they get Vince Carter in the ninety-eight draft, which you know to me is a very, very underrated draft class. Um, they make the playoffs in two thousand. They lose to my Knicks, and then T-Mac is out. So even before the '01 Conference Semis against Philly, you know, you know, just imagine if T-Mac was still on the Raptors. But by that time, he goes to Orlando. I think he, I think he had a pretty decent run in Toronto. He wanted he wants he wanted to be the guy. Um, things things did not work out for him in Toronto. He goes to Orlando as a free agent in 2000 and primarily because of you know Grant Hill wanted to be there and the rumor that, that Tim Duncan was thinking about going there and forming a group there and again again in hindsight what if T-Mac could have been part of two early big threes of the modern era with Kobe Shaq in, in LA or the possible draft night trade in 97 and T-Mac Grant Hill Tim Duncan in 2000 2001 and everybody was all in this all still in their prime um, but the major question is if Tim Duncan would have went, um, how would Orlando be a world champion? How many rings would they have had? How far would they have gone? Plus the fact if Grant Hill does not get hurt, um, I felt pretty. I-, I felt pretty bad for T Mac that he was there and. He was pretty much by himself. It wasn't no Grant Hill. It wasn't Tim Duncan. It was Bo Outlaw and <laughs> Daryl Armstrong and the, the clerk and um, I mean it was just a, a sad thing to watch. But again I gotta ask you, man, if Grant Hill was there healthy, if Tim Duncan leaves the San Antonio Spurs to go to Orlando to play with Grant Hill and T Mac, how do you think how do you think they, 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 they would have done?
1: Man, this is the one that haunts me the most. Uh, I look at that team and think how good they would have been. Uh, Tim Duncan was 24 years old at the time. Tracy McGrady was 20 years old. Uh, Grant Hill would have been 28. Uh, And so obviously Grant Hill and T-Mac, they did come to Orlando. And first of all, let's start with T-Mac. He had, you know, he was good in Toronto. He was a good role player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that final year in Toronto, he averaged 15 points, uh, 6.3 rebounds. You know, he was contributing, but he was coming off the bench for most of those games. You know, if you look at his first three years, he averaged 11 points per game. So he wasn't the superstar. I don't think anyone not, knew he'd be able to make, you know, the leap he did. People knew he'd be better when he was in a featured role, but it almost reminds me like of a James Harden, where you know you have him in OKC. Everyone knew he would go to Houston and be better. But no one thought, oh, wow, you're getting a you know, possible MVP candidate, one of the best players in the NBA, because then he goes to Orlando and averages, you know, 26.8 points. And then eventually he puts up 32 points per game uh, a few years later. So, I mean, that was a huge leap for him as he kind of came into his own because he was so young. He was, you know, one of those project high school players. So by the time he gets to Orlando in that fourth season, he is ready to be a star. He's breaking out, starting to enter his prime. Grant Hill has been playing amazing basketball for several years at that point. Um, People were talking about him as one of the best players In the NBA. You know, that duo alone, let's we'll get to Duncan in a second. Had Grant Hill been healthy in Orlando, that team would have been so scary. People don't realize how good Grant Hill was. Young fans don't understand that Grant Hill was a monster. You know, you want to talk about a guy that uh, would fit perfectly in today's NBA, by the way, and had, he was ahead of his time. I mean, he could do everything with the ball. He, he was a great ball handler. He was facilitating for others. He was basically a point forward. Um, you know, he had the size. He w- has such a high basketball IQ. I mean, you could tell just now, even just the way that he, uh, you know, covers the NBA and everything he does now, the guy is just super smart. One of the nicest human beings alive also, I'll say that, um, but Grant I mean he is just such a special player so that duo had magic fans very excited if you put a few pieces around them that's a very talented team unfortunately you know you look at grant's career he only played I want to say 200 something games in Orlando out of a possible uh what is it 700 800 I don't even know but he he only you know hit the most games he ever played in a season with Orlando uh, was 67. Uh, And if you look back, you know, he had a four-game season, a 14-game season, a 29-game season, a zero-game season. There were a lot of years there where he was just on the bench. And the hard thing, too, was, you know— it wasn't like it was. It was dragged out over so many years. There were so many things that went wrong. He had the injury, then he had a surgery, then a complication, then another complication. It was just all. Everyone was always waiting for him to come back. And then right. when he did play, there were glimpses of brilliance, which made it even harder for the fans because then it was like, oh man, what could we? You know, they they were seeing what could have been. Uh, so it was very frustrating but the Tim Duncan one that's a big one for me. So people may not know this story but apparently you know at at the time Tim Duncan was a free agent. He was looking at his options and Orlando was one of the teams that he was considering. I believe it was it was down to San Antonio and Orlando. Uh, and he was talking about coming to the Magic, playing with Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady. Again, 24 years old at the time. We know, you know, at that point he had already been an all-star, you know, he was an all-star his rookie year, but he uh, the, the year before he had averaged 23, 12.4 rebounds, 2.2 blocks. I mean, the guy was a monster. Uh, well, apparently Doc Rivers, who was the Magic's coach at the time, had a rule that family and uh, significant others, so you know, your spouse or your girlfriend could not fly on the team plane with the team. Um, And apparently that really upset Tim Duncan. And that was one of the reasons that he was kind of against the whole Orlando thing. Uh, He wanted his, I don't know if it was his wife at the time or his girlfriend to be able to fly with him. And San Antonio was allowing him to do that. So, it's. I mean, obviously, there were other factors there too. Who knows what the situation was? Maybe he was using Orlando for leverage. Maybe there were other factors that also you know played into that. I'm sure there were. But the story that everyone tells, Grant talks about this, Tracy talks about this, people around the organization talk about it. That that was kind of the big thing that really you know rub dunk in the wrong way and then the thing that makes me even matter and and tracy's talked about this too doc rivers eventually dropped that rule whenever he was coaching in boston he let significant others and and wives fly on the plane so i mean it's not like it was something he was even adamant about he was it was something that he was willing to be flexible on yet they, they didn't get Duncan because of it so but no I, I think of that core and just the thought of even even if grant let's say that core comes together and grant has his injury issues you know because i mean that's a saying what if they had all three of those guys and Grant stays healthy that's a lot of what ifs um but even if Grant had his injuries and you just have Tracy McGrady and T- uh, Tim Duncan that one two punch is incredible we saw what he could do when he had a guy like Yao Ming as a teammate um, you know he he they had that inside outside attack a great one- two punch. And we know Duncan is one of the best players, you know, you know, one of the best big men ever. So he would have been successful here. I think you would have attracted other players too. Uh, guys wanted to play with Duncan. They wanted to play with McGrady. You would have had other players looking at Orlando. So even if Grant Hill didn't, you know, if he was out and had his injury issues, you have other players that are looking at Orlando and, and trying to join, you know, McGrady and Duncan. So that's that, that's a hard one for me because of the time period. Because that's when I was, you know, I was still a huge fan. Um, I wanted to see McGrady have some talent around him so he didn't have to carry the team every single night um, and then to have it be over something dumb like a plane ride or you know rules team rules like that it just it's so frustrating uh, but that team would have been incredible what do you what do you think that team would have been able to do
0: um I mean you look at the Eastern Conference in, in that time frame um you had Philly with Iverson and but he was the only star there you had Milwaukee. With their own version of the big three, with uh, Big Dog Ray Allen and Sam Cassell, 0-1, uh, Toronto was still there with with, uh, with Vince Carter. New York had uh you know Houston and Sprewell, Chicago wasn't really formidable. Um, Orlando was up there. Uh, Atlanta, I don't recall Atlanta doing that well even Boston. Boston was... um, They had Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker, so they were on the verge of becoming uh, big-time guys. And I think if you had Grant Hill, Duncan, and and, and T-Mac there, you talk about NBA Finals, man. I I, I don't see Philly beating them. I I did not see Boston beating them at that time if they were healthy, even Toronto. So I think think they could have won at least one title. You know, it could have been them in San Antonio in 03. Like, would you... If the, if the New Jersey Nets, you know, could make the NBA Finals back-to-back years, you know, with J. Kidd, Vince, um, R.J., and Kenyon, just imagine going up against T-Mac, Grant Hill, and, and, and Duncan in, like, the right. Finals. Like, you, you, you don't think Orlando can beat New Jersey? And, again, and again, Jersey was there twice. Uh, I totally forgot about them. They made the the, the trade with, uh, for Marbury and J. Kidd. But, again, those three are healthy. I mean... At least one title in my opinion
1: no i agree and i mean and you have some talent around them too mike miller he was a rookie that year so yeah. that would have been mike miller's first year a lot of people forget you know mike miller he, he was real good early in his career and he was there in orlando for three years so you had mike miller um you know you had uh you had some decent role players on that team uh, daryl armstrong was still there um you know and he was a guy that was putting up you know 15 and 7 playing really good defense um and then, you know, the guys like the Bo Outlaws, uh, Pat Garrity's, the, the hustle type players that yeah. filled their role. I mean, so you, you would have had, you know, some a little bit of talent, some role players around that trio as well. I, I think, you know, what what would have happened is you're, you're looking at... Uh, Basically, I, I think you would have had Orlando in the East and then L.A. out West, and that could have become a really interesting rivalry where, you're, where we're taking it to the next level now where it's like, OK, the Shaq Kobe uh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The T-Mac Kobe debate becomes even more intense. The Duncan Shaq debate, you know, it, it becomes Orlando versus L.A. in the finals probably multiple times. I mean, I think that team, uh, even if, even if, like I said, even if Grant Hill isn't playing uh, and had, you know, is still injured. Duncan, we know what he can do, obviously. He's the most consistent superstar we've seen, uh, and and T-Mac is just on another level and would would benefit so much from playing with a guy like Duncan. I think that team would have been – and they would have made multiple NBA finals runs and I think maybe even won multiple rings. I want to break down a couple of things.
0: No, we just talked a whole bunch of stuff um, real quick. T Mac, yes, he did go to Orlando, but he had a max offer from the Miami Heat. Um, at the oh time. yeah, and and also again, I forgot about my, I forgot about Miami at the time. Had Alonzo, uh, Mashburn, some Hardaway, so that'd be another team to go up against. But um, he got a max offer from Miami. They you know they tried to wine and dine him. So at the time they had Zo, uh, Anthony Mason, Bruce Bowen. Um, Tim Harden was there. So a, a nice little squad. Um, also, I, I guess he was considering Chicago, or Chicago was also interested in T-Mac. So um, what do you think? Imagine, imagine T-Mac in Miami and not Orlando. Imagine T-Mac in Chicago and not uh, Orlando or Miami. How do you think he would have done?
1: Man, that's interesting. Well, first of all, let me start by saying this. Have you heard the story of how the Miami Heat offered him that contract? It's a, it's an amazing story. Uh, so basically, uh, they they brought they brought him down on a private jet. They flew him to Alonzo Morning's house. Uh, they had drinks. They hung out. You know, Alonzo Morning was was courting him, recruiting him. Pat Riley obviously was there and, and was a part of that as well. They're making their pitch. Uh, so they're hanging out at at Alonzo's house, and then um, a speedboat pulled up. And then this is all, by the way, from Brian Windhorse. Brian Windhorse has told this story before, and we wrote about it on Hoopsite. Um, so the speedboat pulls up, and then Zo says, hey, let's go for a ride. Let's get in my speedboat. They go 80 miles an hour across Biscayne Bay. They go by the arena looking at downtown Miami, and then they pull up to, my, to Pat Riley's house on a speedboat. Riley stands there, you know, pulls out something from behind his back, and it's a max contract offer. Uh, And that's how they presented it to Tracy McGrady, which I think is the most baller contract offer in the history of the NBA, going to hang out with Zoe, taking a speedboat, looking around Biscayne Bay, going around the arena, seeing downtown Miami, and then here's a $100 million contract offer that you could sign. I mean, they... Pat Riley is a showman. He knows what he's doing when he's trying to when he's selling free agents and trying to pitch free agents. Uh, and I, I I love that story. But so I look at it. It would have been really really interesting to see T in Miami or in Chicago. But I also you know I I, I can't. I think obviously Miami would have had a ton of success. You know, it would have been, it would have been really interesting. And I think the leap that we were talking about Tracy making from Toronto to Orlando, you know, putting up 26 points per game, then eventually 32.1 points per game that would have happened elsewhere. I do believe that. I think he was a talented enough player where it doesn't matter what situation he was in. He was going to break out and become one of the best scorers in the NBA. Now I, I do wonder, you know, if he had other teammates that were taking some touches away maybe the numbers aren't the exact same but he would have been you know very effective i wonder you know would i have fallen in love with basketball the same way you know where would i be today this is me being selfish and making it about me sorry but uh (laughs) you know t-mac was he had such a big impact on on my fandom and again you know when you're in sixth grade or fifth grade or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and you know you're buying the shoes and buying the shirts and you know t-mac was kind of the reason i fell in love with basketball and watched every magic game initially and became a big fan you know if he's not in orlando if he you know let's say he stays in toronto or you know which he has said he is now. Said, by the way, just like kind of Shaq said he wished he had stayed in, in Orlando, uh, Shaq or, or Tracy has said that he wishes he had stayed in, his, in Toronto his entire career um, with his cousin Vince, which is really interesting, too. Um, that's another what if. But no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Orlando didn't really have any kind of star. Maybe they still signed Grant Hill. Who knows? But obviously he would have been injured. You know, I don't think I would have been going nuts and falling in love with the magic, uh, because of Pat Garrity and, uh, and Bo outlaw and what those guys were doing. So I don't know. I mean, we'd be having, maybe we're not even having this conversation right now. If Tracy does end up in Orlando, I don't know if I'm even covering the NBA. I I honestly don't know because that was, he, he played such a big role in me falling in love with the sport and then eventually wanting to do something related to basketball and, and, you know, become a NBA writer. So I, I don't know, man. Um, but I think he would have done really well in Chicago. He would have done really well in Miami. Those teams could have been really scary. Miami was one that we forgot when we were kind of going through the East teams. That would have been a, a very good team, especially, you know, I, I think whenever you put T-Mac on one of those teams, because he was such a good player, but then also so flashy, entertaining, and had respect of his peers, you have to also wonder what moves would have come after that. Because I think he's the kind of guy that attracts talent to Orlando. I mean, there's a reason Grant Hill wanted to come play with him. There's a reason Duncan considered Orlando so seriously. You know, you look at Miami, Chicago, some of their teams that were showing interest in T-Mac, you know, what other stars could they have attracted if they had a McGrady on the roster? That's interesting too.
0: Um. Yeah, man, I I, I just, um, you know, that time, that era, you know, a lot of things that happened in 2001, could have changed the course of what we are, you know, or, or what we see now in 20, 2018, 2019, and, you know, would Duncan have won five championships in Orlando as opposed to San Antonio, would Mac have a championship as opposed to none, would Grand Hill have a championship as opposed to none? Um T Mac in Miami with Alonzo, you know, just a lot of questions, man. And I think I think that's the beauty of old school retro talk because you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans don't know the back the backstory of why this player decided to stay or why this player wanted to leave and how much and you know how. Could it have changed the course of basketball? And when you look at this whole T-Mac Grant Hill ducking dynamic, you know, you know, we mentioned T-Mac was averaging fifteen in Toronto. You mentioned Duncan was averaging twenty-three and twelve uh, in that final year in San Antonio before he became a free agent. And Grant Hill, Grant Hill was still getting twenty-five, seven, and five. So you you put, you put all three together in that time frame, where it would have been the first big three of, of, of the modern era. Uh, the, the, you know, compared to what we have now. I think, man, one one of the biggest what ifs—an uh, injury—and then Doc Rivers doing whatever he did was that he thought was right <laughs> back at that time. And I seen T Mac on ESPN, uh, you know, a while ago when they they told him that story. And, P- and Paul Pierce was like, "Hey, man, well, Doc Doc did that for us." And you see T Mac's face, like, man, I you know I can't believe. Um, <laughs> You know, just a major what if, and plus the fact that you know I'm looking at it now. The Magic offered Tim Duncan uh, like a six-year for like 68 million. So, you know, Duncan, Tim, Tim got paid. I tell you how much because if he was gonna leave San Antonio for say 68 million, uh, he 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 would have got more than that for probably more years. Um, just a major what if with the Orlando Magic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's one that hurts as a Magic fan. I'll say that. Uh, and then, you know, the team, obviously, then Tracy leaves and things kind of transition from there. They trade him for Steve Francis, Catino Mobley and uh, Kelvin Cato. Um, they start building around Dwight Howard. And then obviously, you know, we know where it goes from there. But I will say that I do want to end on this note. Uh, Steve Francis, I have to tell this story. Steve Francis is one of the nicest players I've ever interacted with. Uh, so as I mentioned, I was fourteen years old. I was covering the NBA for the first time. I was going to games, and at fourteen years old, I'm still a fan, and I'm you know wide eyed and nervous, and I don't know what to do in a locker room. I'm not a reporter. I haven't even you know I haven't been to college. I'm not even in high school yet. So I'm basically just taking in everything and taking in my surroundings and watching as other reporters you know ask questions and interact with players. And basically, I would be. Part of the press conference just kind of holding my recorder out there in a group of 20 reporters hoping that no one you know noticed me <laughs> and I didn't mess <laughs> anything up uh, and then I remember Steve Francis was you know by far the nicest guy he would always after the press conferences would end he would, you know, kind of like motion over to me and say, "Hey, come over here," and say, "Hey, do you have any questions you want to get in now that the press conference is over and you know all the other reporters are gone?" Because he knew I was a kid; I didn't want to, you know, speak up in front of twenty different reporters that are trying to rush and file a story on deadline, he would say, hey man, do you have any questions for me? Do you want to ask me? So he would set up these one-on-one opportunities where I could talk to him and get an exclusive interview with him. There were times where we were walking out of the arena and he'd say, oh hey Alex, come here. And he would walk me out through, it would be me and my, my dad We'd walk out through the player's parking lot so that I could walk with him to his car and get a few questions in before I went to the media parking lot. So he was always kind of helping me and trying to make me more comfortable. And, you know, again, I'm 14 years old. I am writing for a real GM at the time. There's no way this benefits him. It's not like he was trying to do this because he wanted extra media attention or anything like that. I'm a kid. He's just trying to be a nice guy. And he was the the absolute nicest guy He would always do this he would say hey man yeah do you have any any questions or hey Alex I want to tell you this and give me a quote that he knew was really good Mm. because it could help me or hey Alex man you know uh what'd you think of our game blah blah blah. just trying to make small talk with me and really he made me more comfortable talking to players and I think that was one of the first times because you know at 14 you still put these guys on a pedestal and you look at NBA players as kind of these uh video game characters these superheroes or whatever when you're a kid so that kind of he he was one of the first guys that you know, that year he was uh, I want to say he was an all-star that year. He was he had a monster season, he was a star of the magic, you know, had a bunch of game winning shots, and mm-hmm. you know, he was like their best player. That was the first year where I was like, okay, these are guys too. This is a person that's that I'm dealing with. And I think that shaped my, you know, it made me a better interviewer because I had to ask one on one questions and I learned on the fly. And then it made me realize, okay, these are are people that are just like me and you that go through everything. You know, they have their own issues. They have their good days and bad days, their ups and downs. So it humanized NBA players for me. And then from there, you know, I was able to, uh, become a better interviewer and then you know gain confidence so when I am in the post-game press conference I do feel comfortable speaking up and asking a question because I know it's not a dumb question because Steve validated it for me and made me realize I could do this so I would say Steve played an enormous part I I know we didn't talk about him much just because Mm -hmm. you know we were going back in in earlier days in in Orlando's franchise but Steve played such a tremendous role in me gaining the confidence to do interviews and realizing this is the career I want to do Uh, so yeah I I have credit to him you know we it's funny uh we connected about 10 years after um I, it was a few years ago i he followed me on twitter randomly and uh nice. i think i think he was just following me just because he's like an nba he was following nba news uh and we started DMing back and forth. And I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you realize, but I was that kid in Orlando that you used to always talk to and help out. And he was like, oh, man, I didn't even know. I had no idea. And he's like, I'm so glad to see you're doing well, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, he's just the nicest guy. And I wanted to make sure I shouted him out because mm. he's a guy that, uh, you know, there, there. I know a lot of people talk about him. And there's a lot of stories about him being super friendly. Um, right. And I just want to say every story that you hear is true because the guy, the guy is a sweetheart.
0: Well, since you mentioned Steve Steve Francis, um, you know, kind of kind of putting a bow on the T Mac Orlando era. Um, as you mentioned, he he did later come out and say that he wished he had stayed in Toronto. Um, you know, looking back at it, um, then inevitably we get T Mac traded out of Orlando to Houston. Before I get before I get before I get to the trade, did you feel like T Mac wanted out of Orlando too soon, or do you think the T Mac? orlando eric kind of ran his course
1: yeah i think he should have stayed i think it i I think he wanted out too soon um you know you look at i I kind of understand the frustration with the organization uh there were a lot of missteps with the whole grant hill health situation um there were things that were done wrong uh by the medical team um I think that's probably one of the biggest frustrations uh, because they there were there were and other players have had issues with Orlando's medical staff as well. Uh, you know, back then there were there were other guys that had, you know some issues. So a lot of guys would get a second opinion because there was, you know, a lack of trust there, which is understandable um, because you don't want your career to be derailed by injuries because some, you know, they do something wrong or something happens during a procedure or whatever. So there was, there was uh, frustration there. I, I understand that. But I think the big thing was he was tired of being on his own. He was tired of having to carry the team. So he was in Orlando for four years. And during those four years, you know, he was a monster, uh, led the league in scoring, just became a beast. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Grant Hill injured and them not being able to attract another another star player, you know, as I mentioned, that roster that final year, uh, if you look at it, you know, it, it was really a really weak team. Um, that's why they got the number one overall pick. You know, they won twenty one games. They get the number one overall pick to get Dwight Howard, but I mean, the team was just it was it was you know basically. T Mac uh, again, Deshaun Stevenson, Juwan Howard, Tyron Liu, Drew Gooden, Keith Bogans, Andrew Declerc. I mean, these the guys were were players that on other teams would be probably lower on the bench. They're not starters. Uh, so I, I think. I would have loved to see him give it more time, uh, especially Mm -hmm. like I said, with that number one overall pick coming. You either could trade that pick for an impact player and put a star next to Tiamac, or you know, had he waited one or two years, Dwight Howard did not take long at all to. Uh, make an impact you know if you look at Dwight Howard a lot of people thought again he was going to be this project player uh, and that Emeka Okafor would be the guy that breaks out uh, right away just because he had been to college and looked more NBA ready Okafor actually you know obviously had all the injury issues and didn't really his ceiling was much lower you know by Dwight's second year he's averaging 16 points 12.5 rebounds 1.4 blocks and by his third year he's an all-star Um, and then obviously we know what he was able to do, you know, winning so many defensive player of the year awards, you know, leading Orlando to the finals. So I think had Tracy been a little bit more patient, he could have played alongside Dwight Howard and they could have attracted some talent there. So yeah, I mean, I, I think, and obviously there was you know probably more to the story. There was some frustration with the organization as well. Um, but I think it was mainly a talent thing. So I think some patience would have been good because those 2000, you know, 2004 through 2010 Orlando Magic teams could have been really interesting.
0: Now, with me on, on, on the show, I like to go back and review trades of, of mega all-stars and superstars and look, and look back at it and say, hey, man, <laughs> you know, we talk about Ann Davis possibly getting traded for nine people with Lakers and say, oh, that's, that's not enough. And... When you mentioned like Steve Francis and Tracy McGrady and that trade, you know, I want to see if you're going to be like, eh, okay, that was pretty even. I'm like, man, what a shitty deal that was. Um, do you recall the trade between Orlando and Houston that involved Steve Francis and Tracy McGrady?
1: Yeah. So, and actually, it's funny. We uh, we like to do that, too, where we look back on trades at HoopSype. We did a video recently where we broke down uh, – Basically, here's all here's some recent star players and what they were traded for. And the idea was, okay, you know, with a guy like Anthony Davis, uh, we hear about this Godfather offer. Look back at some other big deals that happened, blockbuster trades, and what superstars were traded for. So we actually did a video on that recently at Hoopsype. And yeah, you look back at some of these deals and you wonder what the GMs were thinking. I mean, you I, I, you look at the this deal, for example. So Tracy McGrady was traded along with Juwan Howard, Tyron Liu, and Reese Gaines, who, by the way, Reese Gaines was. A guy that he has the strangest NBA career. I remember as a Magic fan, they drafted him uh, with the 15th overall pick. There was a lot of excitement. He was a guy that, um, you know, I I believe he went to Louisville and he was really good in college. The thought was he's going to be this, you know, point guard of the future for Orlando. He comes in. And he never averaged more than 2.6 points per game. He played two, no, I'm sorry, played three years in the NBA, one in Orlando, uh, and then he went and uh, he got traded to Houston in this trade, and then has two seasons in Milwaukee and then played, t- so total, 71 games total in his career, and then you never hear from him again. Just a really <laughs> weird career for a guy, I mean, a, a number number 15 th- overall pick, yeah. you would think, you know, he gets some more opportunities, but the guy just did nothing. So, I don't know, I mean, he was traded as a rookie, so I think that's what, no, I'm sorry, he was in his second year when he was traded, so I mean, maybe that's why there wasn't a first round pick included in the deal, because they were including Reese Gaines, and he still had potential at the time, that's the thought, maybe, but yeah, I mean, it's surprising to me that uh, that Orlando didn't get any picks back. Um, they didn't get, uh, you know, they 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 got back Kelvin Cato, Steve Francis, Katino Mobley. I think the idea was let's bring in Francis and Mobley. They were a great duo in Houston, uh, and let's see if we can, you know, make the eighth seed in the playoffs and still be competitive. Rather than going and just completely rebuilding and going for young guys and draft picks, but I would have. I would, if I'm the Magic, I would went for as many draft picks and young guys as possible. Um, because Steve Francis, I mean, he wasn't that young at the time when he got to Orlando. He was 27 years old, uh, and Catino Mobley, Kelvin Cato, they were also, you know, a bit older. So the the deal is very strange. Uh, I, I think they could have done a better job. Personally, I don't know what was on the table. Um, yeah, whenever, uh, t- whenever Mobley got to Orlando, he was 29. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and Kelvin Cato, when he got to Orlando, was 30. So, you're trading for these veterans that are in their prime, um, and then you go draft White Howard, who is going to take a few years to develop. It was just a weird kind Of a weird decision, but when a guy's when a guy wants out like that, when you know, McGrady is demanding a trade, he'd also had some back spasm issues, and there's always some concern over back injuries, especially ones that are like spasms that can be a nagging injury. So maybe there weren't better offers on the table, but I don't know, I that that trade doesn't look great to me uh, looking back.
0: And then you know, T Mac being in Orlando, Ola- oh, no, in Houston, he was a three time all star. Um, I think he spent five years with the Rockets and again, you correct me if I'm wrong. He again, he never made it past the first round with the Rockets either, right?
1: Right. I think the only time in his career, yeah, he never he never made it past the first round with the Rockets. I think the only time he made it past the first round was that final season in uh san antonio where he was on their nba finals roster mm. he didn't play i don't think he played for them and i said well actually no i could be wrong there maybe he did play one or two games um let me look at his postseason numbers um if you look back let's see this because yeah he never made it past the first round in orlando never made it past the first round and uh in Houston. So he, he played six games for San Antonio in 2012, 2013. Mm. It was a total of 31 minutes. So that's where people look at it. And they, they, some people still say, Oh, well that doesn't really count. You know, (laughs) he played garbage time minutes. And actually, if you look, he didn't score a single point during Mm. those minutes either. So he played 31 minutes, didn't score a single point. Uh, he had eight rebounds and seven assists. Um, and that was the, uh, 2000, that was the 2012, 2012, Uh, 2013 San Antonio team And they played against uh, Miami They lost the NBA Finals uh, In Game 7 to Miami But I remember being there at Media Day uh, or not media day, but at, you know, the, the NBA finals media availability interviewing Tracy McGrady. And, you know, he was saying, look, you know, I know I'm not really a contributor. People can say this doesn't count, but I don't care. I'm in the NBA finals. I'm happy. Uh, he signed with, he signed with them at the end of the season. So he wasn't, he wasn't with them that entire year. He didn't play a single regular season game for San Antonio that year, but he signed for the playoff run. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't play. He was a guy that was mainly on the bench, but, uh, he did he did end up being able to say that he was in the NBA finals and made it out of the first round. It was just mm. in a in a role where he was on the end of the bench. So kind of weird. Did the O3 first round against uh
0: Detroit up 3-1 bother you when they lost that um, series?
1: Man, are you kidding me? I I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, I love Team Mac, but you can't say something like that. You know, you, you can't give a team bulletin board material saying You know, talking about advancing to the second round when the series isn't over—that's just. I know that he was just being confident, and again, you know, he was very young. I think that was part of it too. Um, You know, I'm sure if he were, you know, in his prime and he was a bit older, he would have. uh, Because at the time, he's 23 years old. You know, he's he's confident, he's brash. uh, He uh, he's thinking, okay, we got this. And if you look back at that series, I mean. He put up insane numbers. He was dominant that series, so he had every right to be confident. I mean, I get it, um, but yeah, you can't you can't tell you can't tell the media we're excited to be in the second round and advancing, and then go on to lose the series and in you know in that fashion. That was just embarrassing. Uh, it was it, it was definitely frustrating. I remember I remember watching and just being devastated because i I mean i thought they were gonna advance for sure i thought there's no way this team's gonna lose but um yeah he was averaging 33.8 points per game in that series so no one could stop him i get where the confidence was coming from but Mm. yeah that was that was a major mistake and it was one that went on to haunt him because it became a running joke and something that every you know t-mac hater brought up um before you mentioned, there was a lot of players who
0: uh, you know got their start with Orlando, but then they they went on to prosper somewhere else. And you know, again, a major what if if these guys would have stayed with the Magic? You mentioned Ben Wallace, Mike Miller, even currently Oladipo, um, Serge Ibaka, Corey Maggette, Tobias Harris, Chauncey Billups. You can count Shaq, and um, I think I think that's the like the most. As far as being successful, winning championships, or being being an all-star, I think the Magic is one of those teams that if you get your start there, you can kind of go somewhere else and become a better player, become a champion, become an all-star. Um, I mean, to me, as a fan, I, I, I really do wish more would stay in Orlando. I know, again, we're in a time where you have this power to be like, you know what, if, if I don't want to be somewhere, especially where I'm drafted and if I have a choice I will go somewhere else. A lot A lot of those guys I mentioned were you know they left they left uh, via trade you know not on their own time. but does it kind of bother you as as a former <laughs> magic fan that a lot of these guys who are really good got better and became more successful when they left the magic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember being a young fan and watching, you know, Ben Wallace, for example, and what he was able to do elsewhere. You know, the career he put together in Detroit and thinking he was his roster and we you know, didn't take advantage of that uh, and keep him. Around. Um, Chauncey Billups is another one. He bounced around a lot. There are a lot of teams that have regrets about not keeping Chauncey. And look, I mean, some of these guys, too, I will say, you don't know what's going to happen if they stay in Orlando their whole career. You know, maybe they don't ever get that opportunity or don't meet that coach or, or teammate that helped push them and, you know, take their game to that next level. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, again, butterfly effect type stuff, but, uh, it does hurt. I mean, I remember being a young magic fan putting together like an all time magic team where I was listing, you know, the, you know, one through five, but also put, putting together like a bench, like, okay, here's our best team on paper. And if you combine the guys that left Orlando became great elsewhere the guys that were great in Orlando and then demanded a trade. So, you know, the Shacks, the T-Max, the Dwight Howards. Um, and you put together guys that came to Orlando at the end of their career, and obviously they weren't the same player, but you have Dominique Wilkins, Patrick Ewing. I mean, guys that uh, – oh, Sean Kemp. You wow. have guys that came to Orlando. Obviously, at that point, they were not the same player at all. I mean, they were they were a shell of themselves. But on paper, that team looks rid- ridiculous. Uh, and yeah, I remember doing that as a, as a young Magic fan. It is frustrating. That's the worst thing to see. Whenever you think, oh, wow, we had that guy. We had the ability to develop him. And, you know, he could be a superstar with our team. Instead, he goes and becomes that somewhere else. It hurts even worse whenever you don't get anything back for... The player. So I know, for example, Magic fans, they look at this current Magic team. And, and again, I still I'm in Orlando still. So I, I hear from Magic fans all the time and I understand their frustration currently. When you look at this team today, you know, Victor Lodipo is a, is a, a superstar now in Indiana. They traded him for uh, half a season of Serge Ibaka um, and you they uh you you look at some of the other pieces they've they've moved tobias harris they traded him for ursan Yusova and brandon jennings um they had mo harkless who they traded for a second round pick that was basically a fake pick it was a it was protected through the top 55 so it was a pick that they would never that would never convey it was basically just a dump they dumped harkless on portland and he obviously isn't on the same level as you know he's not a star like olipo but you know there's all these different moves that add up you look at you know what they've done and, and some of the moves that they've made and it's just so strange and it is frustrating when You had this young core in place that a few years ago could have been very scary. I mean, Oladipo, Harris, um, they they had a really, you know, Nick Vujovic was obviously still here and he's obviously broken out now. Um, But yeah, they had a lot of players that they missed the mark on and they traded too soon. Guys that have broken out elsewhere. And the fact that that's not only something that happened when I was a Magic fan back in the day, but that it still continues to happen. uh, it just, I know that frustrates Magic fans so much. Um, I do think, one thing i will say it's good for orlando that the uh the way that the nba is moving and the way players kind of view things now it's good for markets like orlando i think back in the day you if you if you wanted to be in movies and you wanted to have your own businesses and you wanted to you know really take advantage of off-court stuff you had to be in a big market like los angeles or new york now i think with social media uh, the world is smaller. You can be a superstar and you know have your off-court endeavors and still be you know and be in Orlando. When Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City, he had the most endorsements of any player in the NBA. You have guys like Damian Lillard in Portland. Um, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. You know they are. Giannis is the leading vote getter in the all-star game. Um, You have guys that get these endorsements. You can be, you can, I think now we're at the point where you can transcend market. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you have the, the game, the charisma, the personality, you know, you're going to get noticed and you don't need to go to, you know, one of three or four teams to, to be the face of the league. Um, and I think that's something that is going to benefit Orlando and small markets going forward because players are realizing that now. And now it's all just about okay, when I'm a free agent, which organization is going to, where am I going to be the happiest and where am I going to be able to win? Where can I compete for championships? So I think right. that's something that you're seeing now too. Um, now, I mean obviously Los Angeles, they're, they're going to have an advantage because they have tons of money and guys are from LA and it's a nice market. They, you know, They're there's advantages that, and they have the history. The Knicks, you can make the same case for. You know, they obviously have so much history, and putting on that jersey means something. So, they, I mean, there's still advantages for the bigger markets, but I do think for Orlando, the trend that we're seeing, the the direction that the league is moving in, where guys can be a superstar in a small market and have a lot of the same benefits and perks, I think that does help them.
0: Do you have a favorite T Mac uh, Orlando game, Orlando moment?
1: Let me see. So, well, I'll say this: the first game I ever went to, um, in, in the first NBA game I ever went to in person, was uh, LeBron James. I think I want to say it was it was a Christmas Day game. Um, it was whenever uh, LeBron James was a rookie and Tracy McGrady and him, they they had a overtime battle, uh, and it was it was incredible. I'm trying to remember the exact stats from the game. Let me, let me try to look this up because it was a it was a crazy it was a crazy game. So. It was it was on Christmas. Okay, here it is. I got I got it right here. Uh-huh. This is my Christmas gift from my dad. So two thousand three, two thousand four, Christmas Day, I find out a few days beforehand that we're going to uh to see the Magic play the Cavaliers and I'm so excited. Remember I'm you know, I have I'm decked out head to toe in team hat gear. <laughs> um, I'm going nuts, thinking, okay, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Uh-huh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch Tracy McGrady in person. And oh, there's this, you know, obviously LeBron James. Everyone's going nuts about LeBron. I had LeBron shoes as well. I was a big LeBron guy. I was thinking, okay, this is going to be so much fun. I get to see LeBron in person. Um, and you know, it was his rookie year, so I, I go to the game, um, and it was a ridic- it, it was insane. So. T Mac puts up 41 points, 11 assists, eight rebounds. LeBron puts up 34 points and six assists. Hmm. And then the Magic won in overtime. And I remember my dad was at the game telling me, like, you don't understand. Like, you don't see these kind of superstar duels this often. It goes to overtime. And he was like, look, not every game's like this. Like, <laughs> he's trying to tell me, you know, because I was going nuts thinking this is incredible. And he was like, you don't understand. You just saw a classic game. Uh, and it's not usually like that. Your first game is special. You know, this this is really cool. I mean, so he was, he was putting it in perspective and basically saying not every single game you go to is this crazy, but it was uh, it was so much fun. I remember they had, you know, they were going at it during that game and they, and they were matching up against each other too. And that's always fun, you know, when it's not just the, the guys trying to keep pace with each other, when they're actually, you know, Call calling for the ball and you know T max scores so LeBron wants the ball back and wants to answer. It was it was a lot of fun. I remember uh, you know telling my friends about it. I, I brought a uh, disposable camera and was taking a bunch of pictures, uh, which is dating me now. All the all the younger listeners are like disposable camera, what? Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that's one that stood out to me. And then some other things. I mean. T Mac throwing the ball off the uh, backboard in the All Star game—that was always really cool to me. I love that; those moments, um, you know, they there were—they were a lot of fun. A lot of fun T Mac games. Uh, you know, I, I remember just some of his uh, some of his plays. He had a crazy block on Kobe Bryant, where Kobe shooting a three, and he blocked, a, and he blocked the three, just swatted it. Uh, some of his those those matchups with Kobe stand out too. Um, those were a lot of fun. T-Mac versus Kobe. And again, it was kind of like the LeBron game where they were just going at it and uh, going back and forth. So those are the ones that stand out. But because that was my first ever NBA game, I would say the Cavs magic game was the big one for me.
0: Um, I got a few more before I let you go. I mean, uh, you just mentioned a lot of, pretty much of my last three questions, but um, you mentioned shoes and you mentioned, you know, LeBron coming out of high school and then going up against a guy who also came out of high school in T-Mac. And this is a... I think T Mac's third or fourth year with Orlando, so this is O three O four, and then kind of tying in, tying in everything together. Um, you know, T Mac with the with the whole T Mac four commercial that me and you talked about offline, and in the commercial he says like, you know, the players coming out of high school, they'll be fine. I'll take I'll take them to school, uh, you know, every night. So. He goes. He goes up against you know, from from your story. He goes up against LeBron, the biggest star in in, in forever, coming out of high school. They both get a a, a big time dual game. LeBron thirty four, T Mac forty one. Um, but you know, just that would that was the hype of the shoe that he was trying to sell with the T Mac four about the high school kids coming out. Um, you being a T Mac fan, you being an Orlando fan. How does, how does, his, how does um, T-Max sneaker line um, kind of compare to other NBA players who've had big-time sneaker lines, or does it get kind of underrated with the Jordans, with the Pennies, with the Barclays, with um, you know the AIs, with the Shacks, with the Durants? Um, what were your favorite T-Max sneakers, and does it kind of go under the radar and, and people kind of forget how dope those sneakers were?
1: Yeah, I think it is underrated. Maybe I'm biased just because I was a huge TMac fan. I, first of all, I loved his logo. Um, again, I had I had like long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts. Uh, I had the shorts. I had uh, like an arm sleeve. I was that guy showing up at the court with way too much stuff on. I was, I was super, <laughs> su- super extra, but uh, super no, fan. I mean, I was, I, I loved it. Um, my favorite T-Mac shoes were the Adidas T-Mac threes. And those were for fans that don't like, know, know by name. It was the ones where uh, they had the lines on the inside. So it was like a white shoe with a uh, blue, um, laces and tongue and then blue lines down like the middle. Um, and then they also had a version where it was blue on the outside with with silver lines in the middle and then red on the outside with uh, silver lines. And I had um I had three pairs of them. I had all three of those. I had all different colorways when I was playing because I was starting to pl- I was playing basketball at this point, too. Mm. I would sometimes wear one red, one blue, sometimes wear one white, one blue. I was mismatching them. All my friends had them, too. Like we were all real big into those shoes um i do think it does i I think uh i think they're they're a little bit uh underrated i I think um you know it's one of one of those shoes where like it's tough to wear casually like you know lebron's first shoe for example i'm looking at it right now i'm seeing a picture where you know the nike air zoom generations and stuff um you could wear those with anything you know they're pretty casual they match everything One, one of the problems with t-mac was like the The colors were so it was you know you have a, a, a all red shoe and all blue shoe mm. it doesn't match much, <laughs> uh, right. but I didn't care I was wearing it anyway. But yeah, I mean I do think they're they're underrated. They were super comfortable to play in. Um, I think you, there were more low key ones like the white ones with the silver lines on the, in, in, yeah. in the inside. Um, I don't know why, but I, I think they were just I mean I think part of it is because T Mac you know, didn't play in a huge market and he didn't go and have these championship runs and all that. And then right whenever his shoe started, you know, popping up and he it was in his prime, you know, you had LeBron James and this next wave of stars that kind of came in. So he was kind of caught in the middle. You know, he may have maybe maybe his shoe and his line would have blown up if, you know, other guys didn't you know come into the nba and have so much success selling shoes right off the bat like lebron did because his shoes are great too i love lebron shoes i've always been a fan of lebron's shoes his earlier ones i was a bigger fan of i think in recent years they're a lot heavier and bulkier um but like his first few you know signature shoes were awesome as well but so i do think it's underrated but uh again i could be biased just because i was a huge t-mac fan and i love those shoes i think the t-mac i think the
0: t-mac two might be my favorite um I, I know, I know, I had the one, the two, the threes, and maybe the fours, but I know the first three for uh, for a fact. I don't know. I I I probably like the the design, how they how they felt on me. I think the t Mac too. And plus, you know, you're 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 in a time where Adidas is um very heavily into basketball with t Mac with Tim Duncan with Kevin Garnett later on with Chauncey Billups Gilbert Arenas and you know, trying to be like this, this, you know, answer to to Nike when they had God knows everybody on their roster. So I think Adidas at that time, they, they made a big wave in the basketball realm for shoes. And, and to me, T-Mac was the forefront of that. I think T-Mac was there before Duncan, before Garnett. I could be wrong. Cause I know Garnett was with Nike and Duncan was with Nike as well. So I think T-Mac set that. Set the course of how Adidas will be big in the basketball realm, and when you get the the ones, the two, the threes, and the All Star red and blue, and he's averaging 30 on the on the court, he's a, he's a major time or uh, big time All Star, and that just blossomed into a big time product. So um, T Mac too, probably my favorite, but I think you know Adidas, you know they relied heavily on T Mac and his niggas to kind of push the envelope.
1: Yeah, and I mean that commercial we were talking about with the Birdman song, you know what happened to that boy? Yeah. They did a great job of marketing him too. I did. I think Adidas deserves credit for that. Some of those commercials were awesome. And then also one thing, you know, it was a huge win for for Adidas too because uh, T macs shoes and T Mac uh, gear, like his, you know, his jerseys, but also you know his shirts and shorts and all that, because he had the whole line. It blew up in China because he played with Yao Ming in Houston, mm-hmm. and to this day, if T Mac goes to China, he is swarmed by fans. I mean, he is. Bel- Loved over there. Um, because he was, you know, a, the star alongside Yao, a lot of fans fell, just like I fell in love with basketball by watching T Mac. A lot of fans in China, that was kind of their introduction to basketball or they fell in love with the basketball uh, because Yao was a rookie and kind of coming up in the NBA. So Adidas, you know, his stuff sold like crazy in China. He obviously went and played in China briefly after his NBA career ended. Um, you know, he made a ton of money over there. To this day, he still does some little things where In the off season, he'll go, you know, spend a week or two in China where he's touring and doing promotional stuff. I know he's played in the celebrity game over there for charity. Um, And he just has he's one of those guys where he could never he could never sell another thing in America or make another dollar in America. And he would be rich. Insanely rich from what he brings in just from uh, his money from China alone. He has such a f- strong fan base over there. So Adidas, I mean, you look at some of his o- his older shoes. Like you start talking about the T Mac fives, or mm. you know, I'm looking at right now the T Mac eights. You know, those didn't really blow up the way the the uh right. the twos and threes did, but in China they were they were insanely popular.
0: Yeah, man. Um, two more before I let you go. Um. You know, in, in that time frame, man, you either were a big Kobe fan or you were a big T Mac fan. And I know there's Iverson's, there's Vince Carter's, there's Shaq's, Duncan's gone next to the world, but as far as being the best player in the NBA and being a player that, that everybody liked because of you were flashy, highlight, dunk, scoring you were either a T-Mac fan or Kobe, and it was a big divide, you know, uh, you know, even in, in, in my house, in my friendship with other people, like, hey, man, you know, if you're a T-Mac fan, I can't talk to you. If you're a Kobe fan, I can't talk to you, but those were two great players in their prime going at it each and every night, and um, it, it's, it's kind of a rivalry you might not see as much nowadays because... Even though T Mac and Kobe Kobe were friends off the um off the court, but on the court, man, they were dogs, man, they were animals, and. They really went at it. Now you kind of get little things here and there, but it's not like how it was back in the day. What do you take the most out of that T-Mac Kobe rivalry? What do you you know recall the the most from that rivalry? Is there a game, a moment? I think you know I, I seen T-Mac make Kobe fall, and after that, Kobe dunk on the on the entire Magic roster. Um, they had a great duel in L.A. I know I, I remember because T-Mac had the black stripe. Orlando uniform, and I think he had 38 in the uh, in in the game. That Kobe came back and won, but they always had great scoring battles. What do you recall the most, or what do you wish you kind of had now that that rivalry told you back then?
1: Yeah, it was just the way the way both guys embraced it and were so intense about it was so much fun. You know, they clearly wanted to get the better of each other, and they didn't back down from each other. Um, you know, I and I think the way that they would try to top each other, too is really big. You know, the fact that, you know, we would see them guarding each other. Like I said, nowadays, um, you know, we see some you know, we see some games where two stars play each other and, you know, yeah, they're they're on the court at the same time. They're both putting up great numbers, but they're not guarding each other. You have a uh, you know, defensive specialist on them or whatever. But no, we saw Team Mac and Kobe, you know, you know, they were they were squaring up, they were guarding each other. The year that stands out to me was probably 2002, 2003, that season. Uh, kobe was 24 tracy was 23 that's the other thing too the reason one of the reasons why this this uh this rivalry you know became what it did is because these guys were right around the same age they both came into the, the nba out of high school they both were able to score from anywhere on the court they could just pull up from three they could you know dunk all over you um they were super exciting players to watch uh and they were right around the same age too but that 2002 303 season uh Kobe ends up averaging 30 points. Tracy ends up averaging 32.1. So, I mean, these these guys are both averaging over 30 points per game. And that, that wasn't it. I mean, they were filling the stat sheet elsewhere, too. I mean, uh, T Mac put up 32 points, 6.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 1.7 steals. And then Kobe puts up 30 points, uh, 6.9 rebounds, 5.9 assists, 2.2 steals. So, both guys were just filling the stat sheet, scoring over 30 points per game. And... Um, anytime those guys are playing each other and because uh because it was uh a you know, uh, we had Kobe in the West and T-Mac in the East. We didn't get a ton of matchups either. That was part of it too. You know, if they had been in the same division, you're seeing them play each other an awful lot. But because they were in different conferences, you know, the the matchups were few and far between. So it became an event. You almost had to watch it. It was must see TV whenever these guys played. Um, and again, and there were so many debates too about who would you want in your team. You know, who would you start a team around? Now I think when people look back, they may think that sounds silly, but 'cause we know Kobe won so many championships and you know, his his peak run when he was at his prime, you know, his peak lasted much longer than T Mac's. You know, T Mac, you know, fell off quicker than Kobe did. And part of that was the back injury. Part of that was, you know, his game kind of taking a hit a little bit. Um, so it sounds crazy now to say T Mac or Kobe, but back in the day that was a legitimate debate. Like like you were saying, you know, people would get intense about it. I remember uh being on like message boards at that time. That was another way I really fell in love with the NBA, is posting on message boards uh with fans, and it was a huge debate. Uh and just I, I think that says a lot about T Mac and his career. The fact that there was you know a good two, three, four year run there where it was a it was it was, it was a toss up but it was an actual argument uh, whether he was better or than Kobe or not. I mean that says a lot. Um, and also I mean that's where also you would all you would hear oh well he's never even won in the playoffs blah blah blah. That's where that came up a lot because Kobe obviously had his rings uh, and and whereas T-Mac didn't even get out of the first round. So that was mentioned a lot, but it was just a fun rivalry. It was so fun watching those guys go up against each other. Uh, it's, it was recently, uh, I think it was the jump on ESPN. They had an interview where Kobe and Shaq, or I'm sorry, Kobe and T-Mac sat down together and, and talked about their matchups and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were friendly off the court, but on the court, it was super intense and it was a lot of fun. I think they brought the best out of each other too. Right. Um- Again, man,
0: I think that's one of the best rivalries I've seen in, 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 a, in a quite some time, and you just kind of wish that, man, again, people could say, what well, you know, LeBron and Durant, but it's, it just, um, I, I, I don't think it matches up to T-Mac and Kobe. Maybe I'm just biased because I'm from that era, but you um, you do get a good LeBron and Duran and you know just Harden out there and Curry and stuff like that. But that T-Mac Kobe stuff was 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 dope. Was epic. Even Kobe and, and uh, AI in the early two thousands was dope. Um, but the last one I got for you before I let you go, Mr. Alex Kennedy from uh, Hoops Hype. You can find him on Twitter at Alex Kennedy NBA. Um, I know I have four. Maybe I'm trying to find a fifth. But what's the all-time five? In Orlando, I know it's Shaq, I know it's Penny, I know it's T Mac, and I would say Dwight Howard. Who was the fifth? Oh, so
1: in, are you saying like uh, the five all time all time five. five like point guard shooting guard? No, or just, or just five like all time five all
0: time best plays in the history of the Orlando Magic. Oh, okay.
1: Okay, gotcha. So man, that's tough. Okay, so you have you have the good ones, obviously. You have the the main ones. You said Shaq, You said Shaq. Penny. You said T Mac. Penny. Dwight. Yep. Okay. Oh, so then Yeah. That's tough. Let's or see. or
0: is there a fifth. Is there a fifth that still that's still out there and you can't really answer that? I mean,
1: i mean tough. well i would say i would say there's a big drop off i would say i mean it's not it, there, there definitely is a drop off it's not going to be someone that's on that level mm-hmm. but you know nick anderson is someone that comes to mind i know the fans love him he's actually uh you know he's the lead, all-time leader in games played for the magic so you know as, as much as everyone wants to point to that uh point to his uh his free throws that he missed, you know, he obviously did a ton when he was here. Um, he, and he's beloved here. Um, I look at some of the other guys that kind of stand out. Um, Hmm. Grant Hill, obviously he had the injury, so I wouldn't put him on there. Rashard Lewis was, was someone that was really good when he was here. He helped the team go to the NBA finals, but he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, a superstar. I don't know. I think you have the and um, we, we talked about Steve Francis, obviously. Um, man, that's a tough one. I know D- Daryl Armstrong is someone that is beloved by fans. Hedo Turkoglu as well. Like, there's a lot of, like fan favorites that come to mind that maybe you know I could see people putting the, uh, one of their favorites on the list. But if we're talking about just most dominant, uh, best players in the history, uh, Jameer Nelson also is a, another fan favorite that some people may say belongs there. Um, I would probably say let's let's go let's go with uh nick anderson just because you know he he does hold so many records within the franchise uh most games played most field goals most steals uh i believe he's up there in points too uh until in, to, in ter- terms of total points um so I'll, I'll, i would say uh i would say nick anderson um just because of what he meant to the franchise but uh that's a that's a hard one there i mean. That, that kind of says a lot about the Magic organization that you get to four and it becomes that that difficult. But uh, I'll go with Nick.
0: All right. Are you more of a Orlando stripe uniform fan or Orlando
1: stars in the background uniform fan? I love both of them. I, I, I like the stripes on me. Like if I'm buying a jersey, I wore the stripes. I think I can pull that off. I, I think the, the stars in the background, like the faded stars were really cool, but I don't think I could pull it off if that makes sense. So <laughs> uh, it depends. Like, you know, I'd rather see the stars probably, but if I'm mm. buying a jersey and wearing it, I'm rocking the stripes. But both jerseys were so cool. I mean, they had some awesome uniforms back in the day. That was, that was another thing too. I think that, uh, you know, those some of those '90s and early 2000s uniforms were just so sick, and I'd lo- yeah. I'd love to see the NBA, you know, go back to that and get some, you know. Go back to some of those cool designs and see more of those throwbacks.
0: Right, and, you know, even for me, don't don't bring it back for one night or like a you know a week. I want you to bring back the old logo, the old uniform. They should. A lot of teams right now, their their older uniforms look way better than what it is right now. So like, this Orlando, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte? I know that they brought the, the the stripes back, but to me, man, though those Orlando stripe uniforms with, with some pennies. You get to go, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. I want to see them. I want. I, I. I think we could do better if you look around the NBA and look at some of the jersey designs. I want to see. I want to see some of those. You know, it, it feels like almost like teams don't want to take risks anymore. Like I think about the faded star design. I don't think we would see that today from an NBA team. So I, I want to see teams take risk. I know there's some fear. They don't want to be bashed on social media and all that. But I mean, I, go for it. I want. I want to see some cool. You know, jerseys that are different. That's what I want to see.
0: Exactly. Um, Alex, man, always a pleasure having you on the show, man. I know we, you know, took you back to memory lane with the Magic from like maybe 15, 20 years ago to to now. You've always been a supporter of me and my podcast and vice versa. You do great work for USA Today and Hoops Hype on the podcast and, and how you write. Um, again, you're on Twitter at AlexKennedyNBA. Always always do great work um,
1: and always appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Keep up the great work. Keep doing your thing. I want to say this too. I have a, a bunch of interviews that are on hoopsite right now i know fans listening to this are fans of the you know 90s or even further back you know retro nba uh i have interviews right now on the hoopsite podcast with kareem abdul jabbar dave cowens earl the pearl monroe Sidney moncrief alex english uh, who else did I get? Uh, Sam Perkins, Ron Harper. So I have a, a, and also some recently retired players like Bruce Bowen and Antoine Jameson mm. during all-star weekend. I got a lot of interviews with former players uh, and you can find those on Hoopsite. So be sure to check those out. If you're interested in, you know, older NBA players and, and older NBA eras, uh, we have a lot of that content coming out right now.
0: Nice, man. Great job. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. All right. Take it easy.